welcome today to the Plea for Power podcast. My name is Estevo Montoya, and I'll be your host, and thank you for listening to the podcast. And as I was getting ready to record this episode, I was listening to the introduction song. You can probably still hear it playing there in the background, and it's by a woman by the name of Abigail Miller. And the title of the song is I Can Go In. And it's one of the best songs I've heard in a long time. It's a newer written song. And we heard it back when we were in Taos. And just the idea of a person who is saved by the grace of God and they're able to get in. Regardless of what their background is, the blood of Jesus Christ covers all. And I'd encourage you to go look that song up and look up Abigail Miller. She is a blessing and her music is a blessing as well. Today we're going to deal with the topic of the God of Salvation. And before we jump into that fully, just want to remind you that uh, we do have gospel tracks that I make and print, and by the grace of God, we've printed over 700,000 gospel tracks, and we're looking to print up to a million this year. In fact, just recently received an order of gospel tracks from a church in Oklahoma, and uh, one order, it was a, a thousand and another thousand, so a total of 2,000 gospel tracks going to be sending out here this week, and that's always a blessing to be able to send out gospel tracks to churches across the country. And you can find those gospel tracks at www.invitation.church. Again, that's www.invitation.church, and you can find our gospel tracks there. So today we're going to be dealing with the God of Salvation. And I find in the Bible, it says in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 12, And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. And in that day shall ye say, Praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout out, inhabitants of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. This passage of scripture is referring to a time in the future that is known as the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, we believe that here in the Bible it teaches that there will be a time of tribulation, and after that tribulation, Jesus Christ himself will come to this earth, and he will wage war with the nations that oppose him, and he will get vengeance upon the earth. See, when Jesus first came, he came as a lion. But when he comes again, he's, excuse me, when Jesus first came, he came as a lamb. But when he comes again, he's going to come as a lion. And so often we have this picture of Jesus that is pretty much in our mind, this kind of weak, effeminate looking savior that hangs in a tree, long hair like a hippie and all that. That's not what Jesus looked like at all. But when he first came, yes, he came and was humble. Yes, he came and he was the servant of all. Yes, he came to give his life a ransom for many. But there is coming a day when he will rule and reign from a throne for a thousand years. And this passage of scripture is revealing what is going to happen during that time frame. And, and understand this here today, that if you are saved, you're going to be part of that kingdom. And I'm thankful that he's going to come back on a white horse. And we who are saved are going to come back with him on white horses with white robes. And he is going to conquer the earth and there's going to be the antichrist the beast the false prophet and they're going to try to wage war with him and he will throw them into the bottomless pit it says that there in the book of revelation but in this chapter 
it's talking about that time whenever God restores his people, the people of Israel, but also we who are saved are going to be there, and we're going to be able to live on the earth for a thousand years without the effect or the curse of sin upon the earth. And I look forward to that day. So as we think about this, we look at this passage of Scripture, it's all because of God that we're able to enjoy this blessing, and it's all because of God that we're able to see this come to pass. But as we look at this, we're, we're going to see three simple thoughts, and then we'll wrap up here. The first thought is we, we see here the, the God of salvation. And it says there, referring to God, O Lord, it calls him O Lord. Um, it calls him God. It calls him Jehovah. And in all these instances in this passage of Scripture, we're seeing a God who is a self-existing God. And we have to understand the fact that God is alive. And the reason that is so significant is because the people that lived during the time of Isaiah the prophet were idolatrous people, and they worshipped false gods, they worshipped idols that they made, they would go out and cut a tree down, and they would, with that tree, uh, they would go and cut out a chunk of wood and some of it would be used to build a house, some of it would be used to make a tool or whatever, but there'd be portions of those trees that they would take and, and they would build these idols and then they would turn around to those idols and they would say, you made me. And it was complete opposite. They made the idols, but yet they were worshiping the idols. They had taken uh, the, the traditions of the world and the ways of the world and they brought it into their land and they were worshiping false gods and they had turned their back on the one true and living God and understand this, that they were making gods and then turning around and saying that this is God. And they were idolatrous. And so God makes it very clear who he is. The word is used there, Jehovah, um, the Lord. And it's dealing with a self-existing God. It's the same idea that whenever Moses encountered God and God said, um, I am that I am, but beside me there is none else. I am God. And understand this today, that there is only one true and living God. And he's the God that made heaven and earth. He's the God that made all that we see, all that we know. He's the God that gave us his word. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Jacob. He's the the God of Moses. He, he, he's, he's God today. And understand that we have a true and living God. Allah's not God. Buddha's not God. Um, Krishna's not God. There's all these other false gods that are out there. And when you look at their holy books, you find that their books are untrue. Uh, they can't be tested with uh, scripture. And, and not only that, but they can't be tested with science. And you look at the Bible, and while the Bible doesn't claim to be a textbook, it is scientifically accurate 100%. The Word of God stands above the rest. On top of that, we, we know that there is an empty tomb. We know that our Savior came and died on the cross and rose from the grave. We know that God is alive. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. There is a God today and he's the God of the Bible. And so we see here that he's, he's praying to the Lord God in this passage of scripture. God Almighty, I am that I am. But you also see not just that name used to refer to God, but you also see the name Elohim in this passage of Scripture. And it's not in the verse in English, but when you look in a Hebrew translation, the word Elohim is mentioned, and that refers to what we would consider the Godhead, meaning God, plural. And in Hebrew, whenever you would make something plural, it would have to have two or more, or excuse me, three or more 
um, people to be plural, three or more items to be plural. If it didn't have three or more, it wouldn't be plural. And when it's referring to God here, it's referring to God plural. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, simply put, we believe, um, as the Bible says in the book of 1 John chapter 5 and verse 7, um, for their three there bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. We believe in what the world calls it a trinity, but what the Bible calls it the Godhead. And we believe in God the Father. We believe in God the Son. We believe in God the Spirit. And so you see um, that word Elohim is mentioned here, and it's referring to God plural. So that is the God of our salvation. But then you see the goodness of the God of salvation. It says there in verse number two, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. And understand this here today that God is our strength today. He, he says, I will trust. And, and so often as we look at this world and we look at all that's going on and we see all the chaos that's out there, we see the, the different pestilences that are in this world, we see the different natural disasters that take place in the world, we see the, the rise of communist, communism across our country and throughout the world, we see Islam as the fastest growing religion in the world and people are, are being persecuted for their faith all across the face of this earth. And yet when we look at this passage of scripture, regardless of what happens, God is God and we we can trust in God. And he says, I will trust and not be afraid. Why? Because the Lord, Jehovah, is my strength. He gives us our strength. He gives us the ability to, to move forward. He gives us the ability to face the next day. He gives us the ability to face our trials. He gives us the ability to, to get through the situations that we're dealing with. He gives us the ability to, to conquer temptation. He gives us the ability to, to get over the things that we're dealing with. I'm thankful that there is a God in heaven, that he, he's not out there doing his own thing. He is concerned with me. He is concerned with you. He, he's concerned with the people of his creation. And so we see here that he is our strength. But then says that he is our song and and i'm thankful that we have a god that we can worship we have a god that we can praise um, and and i'm thankful to to be able to sing unto him now i don't have the greatest voice and i'll be the first to admit that but in our church they they have me leading the music and the thing is i i, I get nervous sometimes and and yeah i know i'm not always on key and things like that but the simple fact is this that i am thankful that i get to sing to my god and there's a lot of things that i've asked the lord to help me with and I remember when I was first learning to tithe, and God helped me to, to tithe, and giving to missions, God helped me to give to missions, God, I want to be able to preach, God help, help me to preach, and, and He's helped me in all those things, and one of the things I've been praying for is, God, I want to learn to sing, because I want to sing to you. The Bible says in the book of Song, Psalms that uh, he, he establishes our goings, and He takes us out of the pit, out of the miry clay, and the Bible says that He puts a song in our heart, even praise unto our God, and the Bible says in the book of Ephesians that uh, we're not to be drunk with wine were in his excess, but to be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. And one of the signs of being filled with the Spirit is wanting to sing unto the Lord. And so we see here that God is our strength and God is our song today. And then it says afterward, and as he has also become my salvation. He's the one that salvages us. He's the one that saves us. And this idea of salvation in this particular context, he talks about how the God was angry with them, but is um, now helping them. The reason is because God is holy and he cannot tolerate sin, and he had to punish the sin of the land of Israel. But the simple fact was this, they wrecked their land because of sin. They wrecked their testimony. They, they, they totally just blew it, and they were messed up completely 
And yet God still wants to work on them, and God still wants to restore them. And I look at that, the Bible says in the book of Romans, um, for dealing with God, it says um, that to the Jew first, and also to the Greek, but it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. See, see, understand this here, that God is a God who wants to salvage us. You look at all the different people Jesus healed in his ministry, and they came one way, wrecked, ruined, um, had diseases, had been filled with demons, and, and had sin in their lives, but they left different. What's the difference? Jesus was the difference, and he salvaged them. He, he, he restored them. First, he, he redeemed them by his blood, and then he restored them by his spirit, I believe. And, and so you see that uh, God wants to salvage a life. And I look at my own life and my own testimony, and, and I didn't have the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. And I, I got involved in things at a very young age that I'm ashamed to admit, and just different sin that's been in my life over the years between just immorality and, and drinking and drugs and, and just the ways of the world. And, and yet when God saved me, he changed me and he salvaged me. And he took a car wreck, if you would. He took a mess and he purchased me with his blood and he began to work on me and he gave me an overhaul and and he changed me i'm no longer what i used to be why because of the salvation of the lord he salvaged me he took me where i was and brought me out of that pit and began to work on me and change me for his glory and for my good and so you see here um the god of salvation you see the goodness of our god he is our strength he is our song he is our salvation but then you look further it says in verse number three Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. And this idea of wells and drawing water, we know back in the Bible days that they didn't have, you know, a municipal system and they didn't have um, water running through the streets through pipes that was pressurized. And you just go to your kitchen and turn on the faucet and water comes out. It wasn't like that. If they wanted water, they had to work for it, just like anything else during that time. And so they would have to go to these wells and draw water out. And the Bible says that God, um, he, he will, will draw with joy, shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation and his water, excuse me, his salvation is compared to water. And I'll say this is an unlimited supply of water. You know, you hear of people whose wells run dry during times of drought and so forth. Let me say this here today. Salvation will never run dry. Um, I never get over getting saved. And and once I'm saved, I'm always saved. And, and I, I just, I never get over that. And I'm thankful that I can come to the Lord and, and just appreciate my salvation. And it never runs dry. And it's not just for me. It's open to a whole world of sinners. But um, there in Isaiah, referring to the same time in the Bible, there's another passage of scripture found in verse number, uh, chapter 41. <clears throat> Excuse me, chapter 41. In verse 17, the Bible says, When the poor and needy seek water, and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers and high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the shitta tree and the myrtle and the oil tree. I will set in the desert the fir tree and in the pine and in the box tree together that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this and the Holy One of Israel hath created it. And so you see God, again, referring to Him being the Creator because they were worshiping false idols and they ended up just, sin had taken a toll on the land. And I'm going to say this here today, even the most beautiful places on this earth really are nothing compared to God's original creation. 
And because of the flood, because of sin, we live in what I would consider a junkyard compared to what God originally created. And God's going to restore these things. Why? Because sin had taken a toll on the land. God's going to restore it and talks about in these desert places, big old cedar trees growing and water coming out of the high places, referring to wells out of the mountains. You know, I fish a lot in the mountains and I find some of these high places and there's some rivers that are spring-fed rivers. And you see just all this water that comes out of the mountains there. And yet that's nothing compared to what God's going to do. God's going to restore this land and he's going to bless this land and we're going to see a bountiful land. And when you look at that and you see what God is going to do physically in this millennial reign and you compare that to the salvation that God gives, you may be dry, you may be thirsty, you may be seeking like that woman at the well that was looking for something that couldn't satisfy and Jesus said, drink of this water and you will never thirst again. I'm thankful for the God of salvation that he He gives hope and he gives new life and he restores people and he, he, he gives to those that are athirst. He, he gives to them and he gives to those that are hungry. He, he gives to them and he satisfies their needs. And, and we can draw from these wells of salvation. I'm thankful for the day that when I got saved, I was 16 years old and I came to an old-fashioned altar and I called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and he saved me. And I took of that water and I drank it and I've never been the same. I've never been the same since then. And so you see here um, the God of salvation. You see here um, the, the, the goodness of the God of salvation. He is our strength. He is our song. He is our salvation. But then we see here the glory that is due his name. Again, in Isaiah chapter 12, verse number 4, 5, and 6, it says, And in that day shall you say, Praise the Lord. Call upon his name. That word, praise the Lord, um, when, when you look that up, it's the word that we use, Hallelujah. And I'm thankful to say, hallelujah, praise the Lord here today. And so you see here, praise the Lord, call upon his name, declare his doings among the people, make mention that his name is exalted. And so often we live in a world, especially today in sports and in, and with TVs and actors and, and all these different people there um, trying to make a name for themselves. But the Bible says there's going to come a day when the only name that's going to be exalted is the name of our Savior. The Bible says in the book of Philippians that uh, one of these days um, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, and He is going to get the glory do His name. We looked at the um, a few weeks ago. Um, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain, and God is going to get the glory that is due His name. And it says there, sing unto the Lord, for He hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. God just just didn't do anything. He has done excellent things. And it says, cry out and shout, um, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. And it's all said and done. He will be in the midst of his people. He will be among his people. He's not a God who is afar off. He wants to dwell with his people. And so I look forward to that day. I truly do. And I pray that um, that day comes sooner than we realize, so long as my family gets saved. Um, you know, I want everyone to be saved, but of all the people, I want my own family to be saved. And I pray for them often because I want them to enjoy this millennial reign. I want them to enjoy this time with God. I don't want them to be in the bottomless pit. I don't want them to be cast off. I don't want them to die lost. I don't think anyone that listens to this podcast wants their family to die lost. And so we don't have to wait to declare his doings. We, we can do that today. We can tell our family today what God has done for us and be that witness and be that testimony. So I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. Let's give glory to God. And so we see here the God of salvation, the goodness of the God of salvation, and the glory that is due his name. So thank you for listening to the Plea for Power podcast. Head over to www.pleaforpower.com. It's www.pl. 
E-A-F-O-R-P-O-W-E-R.com. And you can join our newsletter there to receive updates whenever we release podcast episodes. And you could also listen to previous episodes of the podcast. You could also find us on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and Spotify. So thank you for listening, and may Christ bless you today.